Aussie Mystery Hour. Oh my god, that was me. You actually are doing an intro. It, <laughs> it was so bad. I hate myself. Did you see my shocked expression? I you was looked like, at me like you had poo in your mouth. Like you were like, <laughs> don't do that. I was like, what is she doing? She's finally snapped. <laughs> I probably have finally snapped. To be honest, maybe. Um, I was testing out an intro, Josie, yeah. and I think it was a soft three out of ten, I think. <laughs> well, it was just that there wasn't much more to it. It was me Welcome just... Welcome to the Lizzie Mystery Hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a bit of a ghosty twang to it. Yeah. At least. Oh, speaking of twang and intros, great segue. Um, my boyfriend's friend, his name's Seamus, he plays the banjo. Mm-hmm. And he insists on FaceTiming Julian only. Like, he doesn't call. Like, well, boys call a lot more than girls do, I find. They do, they do. And they'll call and just be like, hey, yeah, we're meeting here, cool, okay, bye. And it's like, what? They're too lazy to actually type. Yeah. So that's one thing that they call. But then he also FaceTimes. And while he FaceTimes, he plays the banjo to Julian. Oh, my God, amazing. (laughs) Like, while he's talking. Anyway, I told him that we had a podcast. And that we, we needed an intro music and he like wrote a little song. Oh my God. But I only like, I filmed it, but I only caught like the end of it. But he was singing about the Wilga Waterhole. Oh my God, <laughs> I want to hear this. Yeah, I'll show it to you later. Yes. But I mean, maybe we could commission him for season we two should. to play a twangy intro. If he can fit ding, in. Ding, 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 ding. And it Welcome should be to like, you, you know, like I've been everywhere, man. Like yes. it should be like that, but with. Yeah, Mysteries. I've seen like the, the Southerton Man. Yeah. I hung with Harold Holt. Yes. In the cave with the Lithgow Panther. Yeah. That'd Not, be cool. Yeah. So, you know, stay tuned next season because we might have a zesty intro. We also might not. We probably won't, to be honest. <laughs> we may or we might not. <laughs> what you should have learned is that nothing that we say is 100% definitely true. No. It's not an hour. No, but sometimes it is almost. Sometimes it is almost. It could get there. Yeah. You know, the facts are sort of loose at best. Mm. Yeah, it's just a, it's just facts, a fun though. ride. There is facts, but Yeah, but like we've said, and you know what? We've got another mean review, which I'm going to read out. Great. Um, because it amuses me because this person's... <laughs> oh, I'm going to know the one you're going to read This out. person's criticism is actually some people's thing that they like about us. So it's kind of funny to me in that way. Allow me to read. So it's um, one star. (laughs) Uh, The subject line is not well research slash planned. Well, that's not even a proper (laughs) sentence if we're getting, if we're nitpicking here. (laughs) Should be researched. Anyway. I love a true crime podcast as much as the next person, but I struggled to get through the first episode. They say like constantly as well as saying shit and fuck nearly every sentence. And shit and fuck (laughs) a start out because they couldn't even bring themselves to type it. Seems unnecessary, but perhaps they had not prepared what they were going to talk about beforehand. Rude. Which triggers me so much because I over-prepare. Yes. In my own personal time. So screw you. Here we go. This is the bit that gets me. More of a chat between friends who often go off topic to inject something about their personal lives <laughs> does not go into much depth about the actual true crime story. That sums up our podcast. It really does. And that's what people like about it. But also the thing is Beaumont kids, from memory, we really did go quite deep. Like people, I know. Like 
this is the thing. It's not for everyone. It's not. You and we say in that episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't enjoy <laughs> a chat and a yarn, mm. like listening to a chat and a yarn, then this is not for you. Move along. Yeah. And which I think they did. Yeah. But like, why leave a review? Just go away. I know. Just, Just accept that it's not, I mean, that's clearly not what it's meant to be. Yeah. Honey. Yeah. We're hun. not teachers, pet. Hun. The most passag thing you can say. Hun. Thanks, hun. Oh, hun. Um, <laughs> but no, actually, I don't. I'm not angry at mean reviewer number no. seven. I just, they just think didn't get it. That was that's what we love about podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we made it. Yeah. So I actually love that they summed us up yeah. in a sentence. It's they just accidentally a sh- gave us a compliment. Yeah. But so many of the reviews are pretty much that word for word, but with a positive yeah, spin and like five so stars. Good. It's so funny to me. Oh, anyway. Dear. Anyway. Brief little whinge. Little brief whinge. Which also, P.S., if you do like us, mm. can you go put it in there on iTunes reviews because yeah. we need it? Yeah, we don't um, want that to be the last one that yeah. people are seeing. Go say nice stuff about us. Go give us five stars and join our group. It's on pedestrian.tv's Facebook page or Aussie Mystery Hour. We'll accept you within like five seconds because we literally are never off our phones. Yeah, love it. And we love everyone in there. Yeah. Everyone's proven to be a sweet angel. Every Like... I, every time one of you goes to post something and I have to go and approve it, I'm like slightly terrified. I know. I'm like, oh, here we go, our first troll. And it's always <laughs> so lovely. And also, you're all so fun. Everyone's fun and funny. Like, it's like finding all these fun people <laughs> yeah. with cool little yarns of their own yeah. to tell us. And I'm like, yes, this is what the internet should be. Yes. This is a pure utopian internet place where we all just come together and have a good time and talk about and terrible crimes yeah but also ghosts and fun silly things yeah like that. ghosts have really come to the foreground in there at the they moment. have yeah um and i'm enjoying it that's frankly fine. <laughs> that's I, fine that's fine <laughs> i'd also encourage you to tell all your friends yeah because word of mouth guys you know means a lot and you can add them to the group Yep. Which you should do. You should do that too. Because we can't find them and add them. And no. I've already added all my friends. Yeah. Including people that I hardly even know that I'm on Facebook. I just added them because <laughs> I was like, you probably will like this. Yeah. To be, I added all these guys I that like, I used to date. I feel like not many people have unjoined. Well, this is the weird thing because this is that <laughs> leading on from what I said. I added probably like six different guys that I still had on Facebook that I've at one point <laughs> in my life dated. And I was sort of like, you know what? You... May probably broke my heart because most people do. And I was Aww. like, <laughs> so, de- so depressing. I'm fine now, guys. I am fine in regards to everybody. But like, I was like, you can you can get added to this group. Yeah. And if you don't like it, you then you can kindly leave. Yeah. But I feel like there wasn't a mass exodus of people. No. So that's nice. But yeah, yeah we'd really like it if you added your own friends. Yeah. Because we've run out. Yeah, we've run out. Um, and that's our pleading that's the intro. pleading hour. Our, our intro, we have an intro. Yeah. It's us pleading <laughs> for nice reviews, five-star ratings, people subscribing, people joining the group, and people telling their friends to listen. It's the pleading party. Yeah. It's the it's the pre-episode pleading party. Yep. And now it's done. Yep. Now we move on. To? To what it says on the tin, all Aussie mysteries. Yes. What so, do you got for us, well, Mel? I, I sort of sideswiped you on this one, Josie, because 
Sideswiped? Sidelined? Whatever. The point is, is that I shocked you. one of my mysteries? No. Oh. No, I just shocked you because I had said I was doing one particular mystery, which was the Claremont serial killer. Oh, blindsided me. So I was going to do the Claremont serial killers, serial killer, sorry, Mm. which um, I do want to do, but I will do it next season. Season two. Um, Because I sat down to do it and I was like, whoo. This is a big, like, it's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to read. So I sat down and I was, like, looking at other unsolved mysteries on Wikipedia, as you do, Mm -hmm. in Australia. And I came across this one and I was sort of like, I'm intrigued. It's going to be really grim. It's not funny. That's okay. There's really nothing to be funny. There's nothing funny about it at all. Um, And it's also, you're going to think it's not a mystery, but there is a mysterious element at the end. We've definitely been using that loophole oh, a fair a bit. A real loose, it's yeah. loose terminology <laughs> up in here. Like, yep. mystery, supernatural. Yeah. A tiny, tiny thing. Is it? Like, soon we're going to be like, and they don't know where the family dog went. <laughs> but everything the else has been solved. There's a mystery. <laughs> but there's a mystery <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fine as long as we keep loosely on topic. Yes. Like, People are here for, like, crimey stuff, so they're not going to be like, oh, this is all solved and neatly tied up with a bow. Yeah. I object. Like, they're still going to be interested. Absolutely. It's just if we start crapping on about The Bachelor, maybe people would stop, you know, because that's not what we promised. So I think it's fine. If we started crying about our personal problems, I think maybe people would turn off their podcast. Yes. The radio. Yeah. No. But you're sticking They're to fine. the loose description yes. of what we're doing. I, we're, we're still here. We're yeah. still doing mysteries. Yeah. We're still in the in the mystery ballpark, guys. Yeah, that's anyway, fine. The point is there is a mystery We've involved. We justify the fuck out of this episode. Jesus so Christ. It's going to be like 30 minutes of pleading. <laughs> the pleading, pleading party is continuing. <laughs> okay, so this is the Crawford family murders. Mm-hmm. So it's July 1970. Mm-hmm. And Elma Crawford is married to Therese Crawford. And they lived in Glenroy, which is a suburb in Melbourne. I know literally nothing about Melbourne. Glenroy. I've never heard of Glenroy in my life. I don't fucking know. It's somewhere. I hope it is in Melbourne. Glenroy? No, it's in Melbourne. I've heard of Fitzroy. Well, no, it's, it's definitely Glenroy. Mm. They had three kids, Catherine, who was 13, James, who was eight, Karen was six, and Therese was pregnant. So they were, had another one on the way. Okay. On July the 2nd, 1970, at around lunchtime, police found an abandoned Holden sedan that had seemingly been pushed off a cliff at Lockard Gorge in Port Campbell, Victoria. Oh, beautiful spot, Port Campbell. Yeah, it's about 200 kilometres away from Glenroy, by the way. Okay. It was difficult for police to get down to the car, but they connected it to the Crawford family via the Rego, a Rego check that evening. And so police went to the home in Glenroy to investigate. They found a 15-metre-long electrical cord in the house. There was no one in the house. They found a 15-metre-long electrical cord, which had been turned into an electrocution device. Oh. Running off the cord were five smaller leads with alligator clips attached to them. Oh. Mm, you can see where this is going. Oh. Yeah. They also found a carpet-cleaning detergent bottle on the table and that and the age described in one art... An, that the age described in an article about the case as, quote, still foaming and blood trails in the hallway that were covered in the liquid, uh, like someone had been trying to clean up. Attempting Yeah, badly. and pretty recently. Meanwhile, police had managed to get down to the car mm-hmm. 
And what they found was bodies. <gasps> they found the bodies of Therese, Catherine, James, and Karen. So not everyone? Not Elmer, the dad. Right. They'd been stacked inside and a seat had been removed to make room for them. Oh, that's awful. They were wrapped in blankets and had a tarp over them. And the car also had a hose running from the exhaust pipe through the driver's side window. Just a really ramp. Yeah, it's not good. Elmer was nowhere to be found at this point. An inquest was held in 1971, which found that Elmer Crawford had murdered his wife and three children. He had electrocuted Therese and the two children, Catherine and James, using uh, that homemade device, and the alligator clips had been attached to their ears as they slept. What the hell? I know, it's fine. I'm like, how? I mean, it's obviously 15 metres long, Mm. but I suppose they're sleeping. I'm not sure how their sleeping kind of situation would be that he could attach it to all of them at the oh. same time oh, or whether he did it one at a time I'm not sure but that's that's what came out of the inquest that's horrific any way you look at it I know and then really sadly um the three kids had also been beaten to death with a hammer and the six-year-old Karen hadn't been electrocuted and she'd just been beaten with the hammer. So it was really, really fucked up and it was very And the exhaust pipe through the thing. Well, that we'll get to that in a minute. Ugh. So it was extremely, extremely planned so yeah. far, right? Yeah. So Elmer had actually tried to make it look like a murder-suicide by pushing the car off the cliff with the hose. Right. Because... And the inquest heard that this was likely why Therese wasn't bludgeoned because she hadn't been hit with the hammer. Right. Um, so it would look like she'd bludgeoned the children to death and then suffocated herself uh-huh. with the hose. Yep. And so he, I think he, well, they think, sorry, that he ideally wanted the car to fall into the water. Yeah. But it hit the ledge, so and he couldn't move it. Yeah. So he just sort of was like, okay, well, that's that. Okay, bye. But the original plan was that it would right. go in the water. Yep. Despite public appeals and a $100,000 reward that was offered in 2008, he's never been located. So Elmer is just at large. After doing that? Yeah. Oh, my God. So the police believe that when they showed up at his house the first time, it was like at six in the evening, mm. and they knocked and there was like no, like no one there. So they went away, and then when oh, they came right. back at 10 after the bodies had been found, and they were like, well, fuck, this is now oh, a serious thing. is that thing. when they found the court? Then they bang, oh. bashed in, and they found the detergent and so oh. on. So they think that he fled. He was there at 6 cleaning up. <gasps> And then he oh, fled they once they knocked. Him. Yeah. Oh. Um, and Brenda Connor, who was Catherine's best friend, so Catherine was the oldest child, the 13-year-old, mm-hmm. she was actually the last person to speak to Elmer before he disappeared at 8.15 a.m. that morning. She'd walked over to get Catherine to go to school with her. And she said that Mr. Crawford answered the door, which was strange to her because he was usually at work. Mm-hmm. And she could only see his face and hand, so he, like, just oh, peeked just around the door. a little bit. I know, so creepy. Yeah. And she told the age in an interview, I said, I'm just here for Catherine. And he said, she's not going to school today. She's got the flu. I said, oh, okay. So I left, and I didn't think anything of it. But at that point, Catherine was probably dead. Yeah, already. Yeah. yeah. He'd already enacted his dreadful plan. Yeah. Oh. That's awful. So, background on Elmer. Yeah, like why? So, he was born in Canada to a woman from Derry Island in 1930. He then moved to Derry and lived with his grandparents before emigrating to Australia in 1951. He was 41 at the time of the murders and Teresa was 30, Therese was 35. 
Mm-hmm. He worked in a sort of form of electrician capacity at the Victoria Racing Club Flemington Racecourse for 14 years before the murders. So he wasn't an electrician by trade, but he had experience mm, in he it. He knew what he could do with electrical cables uh-huh. and alligator uh-huh. clips. Exactly. Um, and his colleagues at the Victorian Racing Club had told police that he showed no signs of trouble at home or capability of murder. Like, he just seemed like a normal dude, That's which is what they all the seem way. like. I hate it. But I hate also, that normal people could be murderers. I know. But also, you're not going to, like, go around. Even if you, you know, obviously was plotting something for a while, you're not going to be at work like, yeah, going to murder my family on the weekend. Or, <laughs> have you ever thought about murdering your family? Like, people don't no. show outward signs of anything. They don't. But I suppose it's that thing of, like, you would hope that you would think if your colleague had a murderous tendency or was, like, not okay, that you would notice. Well, do we have to bring him up? Our favourite boy. Who? Ted Bundy, the whole book. Yes. She was a fucking crime writer. Actually, my friend Amy, who listens to the podcast, Mm -hmm. she said, what is this book you're always referring to? We just assume (laughs) that everyone's as fucked up as we are. Yes. It's A Stranger Beside Me, and it was written by a woman called Anne Rule who worked with Ted Bundy and was friends with him. And she was actually a crime writer. Like, she wrote for, like, police magazines, Mm. which was, like, a thing that existed in the 70s. And she did not pick up that he was a fucking weirdo at all. And it's like, he'd like to think that a crime writer, and she used to be a cop, Mm -hmm. and she just didn't. And she sat next, you know, stranger beside me, sat next to him at work and worked long hours with him at night. Nothing. Yeah. So it's like and wouldn't, especially if they're good at hiding that stuff. Yeah, and now that I think about it, maybe that is part of the sick kind of thrill of mm. plotting a murder is keeping it a secret that you're doing this awful fucking thing. Which we would never be able to do. You and oh, me. Oh, my God. If I was planning a murder, I'd have to tell you. Yeah. Because I'd be really... You know, I'd be like, oh, guess what? I'm, like, pulling this off. Like, that's the way we are. <laughs> we are. People know that we're not crazy because I'm too emotional to be a sociopath. Yeah. You're pretty emotional too. Yeah. We're not sociopaths and we can't keep a secret. No. And just, yeah, like constant yeah, constant anxiety just brings <laughs> every truth to the surface. And if we were murderers, we'd be those ones that, like, do it and then turn ourselves in. Like five seconds later. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I would be walking into that police. They wouldn't straight have even away. announced it on the news. <laughs> and I'd away. be like, I've done a murder. I've done a murder. A murder has happened and I did it. And this is exactly how I did it. And uh, I will do any interviews you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they didn't They didn't see anything yes. odd. Two weeks before the murders, Elmer and his wife had drafted new wills that left a considerable fortune to Elmer in the event of his family's death, which just... Again, mm. it's like hindsight, obviously, but like if if your husband's getting you to sign any sort of wills yep. and, yep. you know, any kind of life, whatever life insurance is in yes. the States, I don't know what that is, but, you know, anything that involves you dying and them getting money, don't, do not do it. It's sus as. It's just walk, you should then walk straight into the police <laughs> station and just tell them whatever, even if your husband seems really nice. Totally. Also, why would he get all the money? Well, that was the thing, right? Wouldn't the kids? Because parents... Well, that's how he had, Mm. like, set it up. Sus. Sus as fuck. But I guess this is the thing. If they're psychopaths, they're very convincing. Yeah. They can convince you of anything. Yeah. You have to be a psychopath 
here's me, the clinical psychologist with my opinion. You have to be a psychopath to plan and to carry out that kind of act on Absolutely. people that you are, They're your family. Yeah. They're your kids and that's your wife. Yeah. That's fucked up. Like an event may trigger it, mm-hmm. but then the act of doing it has to be yeah. psychopathic. Yeah. Speaking of what triggered it. Oh, here we there's go. There's a couple of theories about that, which these aren't the theories we're going to discuss. We're going to figure out where he is. Oh. We're, we're going to figure it yeah. out, me and you. I know where he is. <laughs> I know exactly where he is. <laughs> but one theory to why was that they, they'd had an argument over their unborn fourth child. Mm-hmm. So Greg Fogarty is this guy who wrote a book on the case called Almost Perfect. And he points out that there was a half-finished letter from Therese to her family that was found on the table in the home when the police went in. And the letter indicated that she wasn't happy about the pregnancy because oh. um, she'd suffered because she'd suffered postnatal depression after a previous one. Okay. So she was kind of wasn't keen to have a baby again. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also says that Teresa, as a Catholic, may have refused her husband's demands for an abortion. And there's an excerpt from the letter right. from the Herald Sun, which says, I've been so upset, but what's the use? I am two and a half months now, so looks like I've had it this time. We were going to come up home this Christmas, but won't be able to now as I'll be due at the end of January. And next to this letter, there was also a news article about abortion that was written by Margaret Teague, who was a right to life campaigner back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so there was this theory that either Elmer wasn't keen on the pregnancy for whatever reason and wanted her to get an abortion and she wouldn't, yep. or that they'd had an argument over maybe her wanting to get an abortion. Yes. I feel like the f- the former makes more sense to me because if he then killed them all, then why he would he be? Yeah. yeah, like, anyway. So who knows? Mm. Then there's another theory was um, to do with him being a thief. So basically Elmer was a bit of a shit. I mean, he is a shit in general because he's Definite a fucking shit. murderer. Yes. But, yeah. like, also he was a thief and he'd stolen quite a bit from the racing club. Oh. Um, and... Items from there were found in the home as well as evidence that he'd been selling stolen goods for years. So this other theory was that Therese had found out and was going to expose him. Is it Therese or Teresa? Therese. Did I say Teresa ever? Yeah. Okay. I think one time I wrote Teresa accidentally (laughs) and I was like, when you get to that bit, Mel, don't say Teresa. (laughs) And then what do I do? I said Teresa, but it's definitely Therese. So the theory is she might have found out that he was being dodgy. Yeah. And... He responded yeah. with that. I um, I mean, we can talk a bit about these theories. Like, I mean, I feel a little bit like he's a thief mm. and potentially was he just addicted to money, mm. you know, because if you're stealing that much stuff and selling it to make more money. Yeah, they probably mm. wouldn't have been loaded either. Yeah. Um, with that many kids and... He you know, it's not like he had an illustrious job. Yeah. You know, like, not that there's anything wrong with being an electrician, but, you know, it wasn't like something where you rake in millions. Yeah. So maybe it was hard to make ends meet and it's that whole thing where, like, you start getting stressed and then it overflows. Sounds like things weren't very happy. Yeah. When you look at those kind of, both of those theories, she probably would have known fact that he was stealing stuff, like where else would he have got the things from? Yeah, true. Um, and then there was that whole letter that just sounded really negative in general. Yeah. 
um, and some unrest there, like whether it was her that wanted to have the abortion or him that wanted her to, it's still like unrest in the relationship. So yeah. it's not like happy, happy families. And people can snap too. Like I think those, you know, those all, all these awful kind of murders where the husband kills the whole family, mm. like kids and all, often it's like people describe them as snapping. And I do think yeah. that can be a real thing. Like I think that, I think there'd usually be a trigger for them snapping. Like, yeah. like, like you said, like built up unrest in the relationship or in the family and yeah. or built up personal problems. But eventually like it can be just like one like the straw that broke the camel's back kind of a thing where mm. they then mm. tick over into making a incredibly yeah evil like decision. A rage. Yeah. It's awful. It's so awful. Like just go to the pub and get ridiculously drunk. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's other things I don't know, but I feel like men in particular especially in the 70s don't have as much of an outlet as women for like when they're stressed or they need to talk, it's like you need to be a man, you need to be macho, and it's not macho to talk about your feelings or to say, hey, I'm struggling here. Yeah. Um, not that I'm excusing what he did at all, but I think um, that's why it's like more common for men to kind of snap in this way. We've seen it yeah. a few times. Well, I was just about to say that's kind of a little bit tied to like isolation and kind of what happened with the Trump family in a way of mm. this kind of idea of, you know, a family or, you know, the head of a fam head of a family inverted commas being isolated, yep. dealing with some something personal it is crisis, up. not talking about it, yep. potentially snapping. Yeah. And like that family in WA with mm-hmm. the grandfather. That's who I was thinking about. Um, because obviously there are parallels there mm. of, you know, just Mm. finding the entire family murdered with everyone saying, oh, but they were so nice. Oh, but they seem so fine. And there was a lot of discussion around that at the time where people were just like, shut up. Just because someone seems nice does not, Mm. you know, not that it was like excusing things, but I think people were just kind of like, we need to stop saying, oh, but he was such a good man. Yeah. Because obviously he was not. No. But I think when people say that, what they're trying to say is, I did not see this coming. Yes. I don't think they're trying to say, Yeah, it's fine. Mm. Be nicer to him. I think they're literally just like, what the fuck just happened? Because we did not see it coming. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to know. And I did not, I did a lot of research on this one, Josie. You'd be proud of me. I didn't see anything. I don't think people know a lot about their family life because obviously she was dead. Mm-hmm. And he has been AWOL since mm-hmm. it happened. So there's been really no insight. Yeah. But I would be interesting to see if there was any abuse involved mm. and, like, if there was a history of physical or verbal abuse mm. with them because that yeah. would potentially hint more to him, you yeah. know, being a violent... Like the neighbours that saw yeah. Lynn Dawson being... Exactly. ...pushed up against the trampoline or That's whatever. That's still such a scary visual for me in mm. my head. Um, so where is Elmer? Where is he? The strongest lead is a sightings in WA. There's been a f- couple. So the first was in 1994. Oh, wow. That's um, quite a long time after. Yeah. There was actually happened. quite a few in 1994 and police believe them to be genuine. Mm. So police actually think, well, in 1994 they thought he was in WA. Um, so one of them was a woman who knew Elma um, and she saw a man in a Bunbury hotel. Bunbury's sort of down... The, here we go, geography. South of Perth. Geography right? time. Yeah, it's like it's south of Perth. It's like a little further down on the fat bit there. 
<laughs> I love geography, Mel. It's such a, yeah. Anyway, you, that's where it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good I'm work, sure Mel. our international listeners have a really, they could pinpoint it. I think they could, the fat bit of WA. <laughs> Everyone knows where the fat bit of WA is. It's like if I said to you, like, the pointy bit of Queensland. Yeah, that's See? true. Maybe the fat bit's a bit more general, but anyway. <laughs> Um, so she saw this man in Bunbury Hotel and she was so convinced it was Elmer that she approached him to ask oh. his name. And oh. he said to her that he was a New Zealand tourist. Did he put on an accent? I don't know. <laughs> it was actually would love to know. But yeah, so, but I guess like she didn't believe him obviously because then she talked to the police. So did she know him personally? She, it, the she article that I read just said that she knew him quite well. Oh. So she must have known him personally. God, he must have been freaked out oh, when he saw 100%. her appear. Um, then in 2005, a body turned up in a U.S. morgue in Texas that was identified as potentially being Elmer, which is wild, like going global. Oh wow! The person Texas. had gone to yeah, the person had gone to great lengths to hide their identity, so they damaged their fingerprints. They were carrying multiple false identities with different names, but DNA testing using a blood relative of Elmer's revealed it was not him. Which is a oh. shame. Yeah. But who was that? I don't know. <laughs> now I'm like, who's the body who's in the morgue? Who's the body with the weird fingers? Um, in an interview with The Age, former homicide detective Adrian Donahue, who worked on the case in the 70s, said he believed Crawford probably then travelled after the murders to an outback mining town and has lived there in a shady exile from the big city, which is oh, literally yeah. the words in the article. But... Um, <laughs> That they're too good not to repeat. They're way too good not to repeat. <laughs> um, and then in a 2017 interview with Channel 7, a Pilbara-based – Pilbara is like in Western Australia. It's like the full-on outback bit. I've been. I thought – no, I'm not going to – What? I thought it was pronounced differently. Maybe I'm stupid. No, I'm probably stupid. We've established this. Geelong? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to say it. Pilbara? Yeah, I thought that was how Look, you said it. Look, it probably is. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know. I don't know that one. I know okay. that Geelong is Geelong. Well, I'm going to do Pilbara and okay. please come tell me in the group <laughs> if I'm wrong because I probably am. Who's our, our trucky friend? He'll know. He will know. He'll know all of these. He'll know, he'll know this whole case. Ian. Ian. Ian, come and tell us. Hi, please. Ian. Hi, Ian. <laughs> Ian's one of our lovely group members. Um, so Pilbara-based truck driver Nugget Wright. Nugget. I want a nickname. Maybe he knows Ian. Oh, no, this was. No, this is, this is last year, the interview. <gasps> Yeah. I don't know when he when this happened, but in 2017 the interview happened. I don't know whether this mm-hmm. happened in the 80s, in the 90s, or like literally in 2017, but he said he's convinced he met and spoke to Elmer, and it's quite wild. So here's a quote from Channel 7. I said, where's your missus? And he told me she was long gone. Um, he had also said to Channel 7 that the man – told him he came to Western Australia in 1970, which checks Mm. out with the murders. Mm -hmm. And here's another quote. He said, I had to leave in a hurry. I did something terrible. That's when the penny dropped and I'm putting two and two together. I said, aren't you that bloke the Victorian (gasps) coppers were up here looking for a couple of weeks ago? Oh, my God, that's so bold of him to say that. Well, I just feel like (laughs) if your name's Nugget, yeah. You probably are a bit of a bold son of a bitch, yeah, don't you think? Yeah, a zesty motherfucker. Yeah, you you don't give a shit. You will go in hard. Yeah. God. I know. Um, and so Victorian detectives visited a remote, sparsely populated part of the Pilbara after the tip-off, mm. but they have found nothing. Right. Um, so Crawford Had the now, guy left or they just, he wasn't the guy? 
Well, sorry. No, as in like he didn't like Nugget didn't like stop him and be like, you're the guy, I'm oh, going to get you. Right. It's like he just had this encounter. Right. Um, and that's kind of the bits of in, the nuggets the of nuggets. information <laughs> that Channel 7 publicized. Oh. Um, and yeah, so it was just kind of an encounter that he believes was with the man, with Elmer. Wild. That's so crazy. Well, I mean, I was going to say my favorite guess is always Tasmania. Yeah, you love you love a Tassie guest, don't you? Um, but if I was going to escape anywhere, it would be WA or Tassie. Now, I know that they're vastly different because one's tiny and the other one's fucking huge. But for both reasons, I feel like it's – for both, I feel like it's easier to get lost because Tasmania is like all national park and mm. you could go really bush and be like a crazy bush hermit. Yeah. And in WA, you could just – travel around the outback and hide there. But here's the thing, right? This is because I've been thinking about this and I'm like, wouldn't it be harder to disappear in a small town than in a big city? Like, wouldn't it make more sense to move to like Brisbane? Yeah, maybe. If you're from Sydney because it's populated and then you can kind of change your name and shit and just sort of fade into the like to go to WA. It's like if you if you turn up at a small town in WA, yes, like yeah. everyone, everyone's like who that is like who the fuck's that person. So it's like mm. you're not really going to be flying under the radar. I, I guess you could hope that they wouldn't know of the case. And I mean, I didn't know of this case, so no, I've never. heard And he's of a lot this older case. now, so but like at the time, I'm sure it was quite widely publicized. So it just seems strange that you know. He would if he is there that he's chosen to go yeah. to WA. But yeah, I guess it could go either way, really. I mm. guess if you went to a big city, you've got more chance of your whereabouts showing up in police records because mm. they'd all be on high alert. Yeah, maybe I don't know. But um, uh, Elmer would be eighty-eight years yeah, old I was now. Ask. Mm. So if he's still alive, he's eighty-eight. I was doing mental maths. Um, and there's actually a computer-generated image that the police sent out in 2008 that I'll put in the group of what he would Is look like scary? at 78. No, it's just him and how he would probably look now, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's 78, but 88, 78, no big difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was actually really hot when he was younger. Was like he? the pics from the time. He's like a fucking babe. It's very Ted Bundy-esque. Like he looks oh. really confident and sexy. And, yeah. Yeah. Put the pics in the group, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll put pics of the car and everything too. It's so creepy because it's just this car that's like sitting on a ledge. Uh, I can't believe the base of the cliff. he did that. It's so pre-planned, is what freaks me out. Yeah, like if you're gonna, well, wait. Were the kids bashed before they got electrocuted? No, I'm pretty sure he electrocuted them all, and then the bashing of the kids. Was, was to, to make, make it, it look, look like. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming the electrocution was him thinking this is a way I can kill them without it leaving damage on mm, the bodies. Right. And then police will just look at the. It was very terribly thought out because, yeah. hi, if you electrocute people, <laughs> they're going to see where the. Like, you know, like electrocution like leaves like a burn. Yeah. Where it goes into the body. So it's like. That's not. They're still going to see that. Only you're an idiot. They so. look very carefully. They yeah. can find tiny little needle marks on people. Exactly. They're not just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> they died from their heads being bludgeoned. It's not. That's not yeah. how it works. Um, yeah, it's insanely, like, well thought out. And in that way, it doesn't, you know, I watch a lot of crime shows. It doesn't 
scream of like a rage, crime of passion yeah. thing where like if you if they were just bludgeoned, that mm-hmm. might be just like spur of the moment, I'm so angry, reacting. Mm. It's so chillingly planned. Although clearly the cops arriving like threw him off because then he left everything behind, like the he left the cord mm-hmm. behind um, and kind of like sol- solved it, you know. Yeah. Well, not solved where he was but solved that part of it well, for them because then he just took off with like the thing was still foamy and stuff. Yeah. But there's interesting, if I were to get real conspiracy about it, mm-hmm. there's no absolute proof really that he definitely did it. Like, I mean, there's, there's, I guess there is proof that he did it in the sense that, like, beyond reasonable doubt. Yes. Like, he'd have to really argue his case. Yeah, but, like, if he's is there other stuff involved? Is mm. he, did somebody no kill his whole family and then evidence. kidnap him? And Yeah, there's no motive or physical evidence tying him to it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the only yeah. thing is that he took out the that he changed the wills and then mm. there's always the argument that somebody's made him do that to pay off debts or something mm-hmm. or there's lots of weird sort of yeah, scary little elements Yeah, there could be other people it. involved. I'm assuming that um, Elmer hasn't committed any more crimes. No, it's Because a he would have been caught. It's so terrible. It's to just kill a, little kids and an unborn baby. Yeah. And the unborn baby is like, I mean, kids as well is awful. Anyone is awful, but it's... It's like when Sharon Tate was murdered and it was like oh, everyone was so horrified so... because there's something incredibly cold-blooded mm. about killing an unborn baby. Yeah. It's like even though kids are innocent, most people that die are innocent in some form. Mm. A, an unborn baby hasn't even had a chance to like even... anything. And Sharon Tate was so heavily pregnant. It she was. Like... was. That's a, that is so such a fucking bleak murder. Yeah, it was almost like fully formed, you know, mm-hmm. eight and a half months. That was awful. But, yeah, it's just, it's insane that there yeah. are people out there that have murdered, like, yes. done horrific homicides, essentially. And they're and just there. Think they've lived it. their whole life. There's a few that we've covered, mm-hmm. obviously, because mysteries. But, um, you know, like Wanda Beach. Yep. Whoever did that. Jordana. Jordana. Beaumont Kids. Like, someone out there, probably with the Beaumont Kids... That was a long time ago. Maybe mm. they're not anymore, but like for a good amount of time, someone out there knew something because they were there. Yes. They had something to do with it. Whether Multiple were, people yeah. often as well, like with Jordana. It's like, yeah, there was the, definitely an accomplice there. And like, how do you live with yourself? I just don't understand that. Like, we've said so many times we can't keep secrets. Yep. But I also like, you know, you walk past a table at a pub and you see someone's phone sitting on the table, but they're deep in conversation. You could easily swipe that yeah. wallet, that phone. It's happened to a friend of mine, had a wallet stolen out of a bag at a pub. And I'm just like, just that on a very base level. I just couldn't do that to someone. Mm. And that's a difference. There's like a line there. Yes. Some people would do that and have yep. no, because they their own gain is more important. Yeah. And that's, so some people can just live with things, even the woman that probably knew who the Somerton man was, um, Joe Thompson, and she just let it become the country's biggest mystery and yeah. die with that secret. I know. It's insane. It's, it's wild. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, if you live in WA and you know someone that thinks they saw 
Elma, Elma Crawford. Mm. If you're Nugget. If you're Nugget. Oh, my God, I'd love to talk to Nugget. Um, but, yeah, just anything, any thoughts that you may yeah, have? I've literally never heard of this case. Neither had I. I'd never heard of it. And I actually am shocked that I hadn't because it's really scary mm. and very, yeah, like very planned out, very, yeah. It's know. scary because he just took off. Yeah. So. Yeah, if you if you knew about this case, if you have a connection, if you're from Glenroy and you want to tell or Pil- us. Or the Pilbara or yes. Pilbara. Tell us if it's Pilbara or Pilbara. Yep. Tell us everything. Yeah. Share your thoughts. Yeah. Because we really didn't know this one. Yeah. I love that you brought this unknown one to us. It's, it's a gift to you, Josie. Thank you. Thank you for that <laughs> precious gift. Because <laughs> we have done some, I like mixing up some really famous ones and then some lesser known ones. Yeah, me too. Definitely. Um, cool. That's it. Bye. Bye.